Good morning, everyone. Our text this morning is taken from the book of Romans, but before we go there, find your place in the book of Habakkuk. A little, little Bible trivia here. Do you know where this book is? Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. Once you find Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. If you don't know where it is, pretend that you do. You got your place, say, almost. <laughs> There's a thing called the index in the beginning, and you can look in it, and it'll tell you what page that's on. Heck yeah. You may want to ask your pastor that. I don't know where it is. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to go ahead and read while y'all still look for it. We may be here till lunchtime. <laughs> It's really a hard book to find because it's only like a few pages long. All right. Habakkuk 2 and 4 says this. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright. Stop right there. Right here we're talking about an individual who is a self-righteous individual, someone who can in his mind, thinks that he can uphold God's holy law, okay? See, he's puffed up. His desires are not upright. But listen to how he ends this. But the righteous will live by faith. Everybody say, the righteous will live by faith. Now, let's go to our text. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, New Testament. <laughs> there you go. Yes, sir. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Paul says these words, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. For in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written the righteous or the just will live by faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the reading of your word. We thank you, Lord, for humbling us, Lord, when we think we know our Bibles and you say, go to Habakkuk, and then we're all like going, where is it? So we have so much to learn, even where the books are, Lord. So I, I'm no different than anybody else because when you had me go there, I had to scratch my head and think, where is it? And so, Lord, help us today, Lord, in, in, in our weaknesses. But I praise God today that your strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. We're not glorifying anybody but the Most High God. Now, by the power of the living God, Lord, send forth your spirit in this room. Anoint the man of God. Give him the grace, Lord, to preach your word in season and out of season, Lord. 
Father, we thank you for your perfect will. May we walk in it today. May we be not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word today. In the name of Jesus, God, we just ask you to bless this service. In Christ's name and God's people said amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. I want to begin this morning with the title of our sermon which is simply entitled this, Salvation for Everyone Who Believes. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Neighbor, do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Woo, hallelujah. Now, as you know, last week we, we talked about Paul and, and the difficulties he had in his journey. And we, we saw that, that he had finally appealed to Caesar. Now he's headed to Rome because he made an appeal. If he didn't say anything, he just stayed where he was in Jerusalem. But we've seen in his journey that he faced many trials and tribulations. We, we saw that he was beaten. He was scourged and whipped and stoned, left for dead. He was shipwrecked. And then last week we saw how he was snake bitten. But we also saw he went through all this while in the perfect will of God. Can you imagine being Paul, the man of God, the man that God would use to write two-thirds of our New Testament that we read from every week? And this man, even though he was a great man of God, we find him living basically in hell on earth. Can I get an amen? And somehow when you look at his life and you see what he goes through, in the back of your mind, I don't care who you are, you're kind of thinking to yourself, you know what? This doesn't seem right at all. Now, does it? In fact, we find that Solomon, at one point of his life, he even struggled with the things that men and women of God go through. He tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes 8 and 14, he said, There is something else meaningless that occurs upon the earth, righteous men who get what the wicked deserve and wicked men who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. Well, the truth is, to the natural man, it is meaningless. But to the spiritual man, like you and I, we have to understand there is meaning behind what we go through. The Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah 29 and 11. I know it's not up there. Jeremiah says, "For, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Can I get an amen? In other words, we have to understand that, that what may appear to some as, as, as a mistake, God has a plan. And if you're going through something, then I can promise you more than likely you are following the plan of God. Jesus tells us in John 15 and 20. He said, remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecute in me, they will also persecute you also. And if they obey my teachings, they will also obey yours as well. Peter tells us, 1 Peter 4 and 12. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange was happening to you. 1 Peter 4, 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Can I get an amen? And so remember, even though you may be going through something today, even though you may be going through something this week, you need to remember that Jesus went through great trials and tribulations. He was tested in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And if Paul tells us that we are called to follow his example in life, I can promise you, if you bear the name of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, 
That means a Christ bearer. Someone who takes up their cross daily and follow him. That's a Christ follower. If you bear the name of Christ, you will find yourself going through something. And it's because God loves you. Don't seem fair, Lord. It never seemed fair when mom or dad would break out the belt. It never seemed fair. My badness was as I didn't deserve all that, but really I did and more. Hebrews 12 and 6, the Bible said, Because the Lord, he disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as sons. I'm sure Emily right now in her time of life, she thinks back to the time when dad sure was hard. But now she has her own baby, she's kind of thinking, Maybe there was a reason for that because I surely do not want my child to follow my way of life. Can I get an amen this morning? See, God disciplines us for a little while because he knows that we need to walk in his will. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, we, we just quoted this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Every temptation you have ever faced in life, Christ has faced it. Every pain you have ever felt in life, he's felt it. In, in other words, he may not went through it in the time of his life when he's walking, but the time that he laid his life on the cross. Everything that you went through in life, he took upon his body. Every sin you committed, every ungodly thought you thought, everything that you did wrong came upon him. The Bible says, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He became our curse. So that you and I could be free today. Are you happy today? Hallelujah. First Peter 2 and 21. Peter says, to this you were called. Everybody said, to this I was called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Are y'all with me so far? James says it like this. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I want to share something with you that you probably didn't know because I didn't know this for many years. We talked about Paul, his journey going too wrong, but did you know, I didn't know this years ago, but did you know that, that the letter, the book we call Romans, was not actually written in Rome? I did not know that. In fact, we find that Paul, he, he wrote it while he was still in Jerusalem. He wrote the letter and sent it ahead of himself. And we know that because we read in Romans 15 and 29, he says, I know that, when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessings of Christ. And so he's saying, I'm coming. I'm not there yet. And so we have to understand that this was written prior to getting there. Now, the book of Romans is more than just a letter, but it's probably one of the most powerful, one of the most anointed books of the entire New Testament. Can I get an amen? In fact, it was the book of Romans that this man named Martin Luther, y'all have heard of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, it was this book that changed his entire look on life in the Word of God. And it's from this book that he began to teach that man are, is justified by faith and not by works. And he was, he was harshly persecuted because of what he believed. He was still in the Roman Catholic Church, and they were teaching that, that it was a works-type relationship with God. But Martin Luther was standing on faith. Can I get an amen? 
And we read part of Paul's letter. He tells us in Romans 3 and 21 through 23. He says, but now a righteousness from God. Everybody says a righteousness from God. That means it's not you. You have no part of this. You didn't do nothing for this type of righteousness. A righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. See, we just read from the book of Habakkuk that it was talking about how we'll be justified by faith. Are you with me? The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. He says, there is no difference. Stop right there. He says there's no difference in what they, which they should have put in there between Jews and Gentiles. There's no difference. There's no difference between the Jews. There's no difference between the Gentiles because listen what he says next. He says, for all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. Now, of course, we know Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not of yourself, it's a what? It is a gift of God. It's not by works so that no flesh can boast before him. God has set it up in a way that there's, there, there's no way that you can ever stand before the great I am and said, I did something. There's nothing that we can do except put our faith in what Christ has already accomplished us, accomplished for us. And this is the gospel message that Paul was persecuted, the message that Paul was hated because Paul was preaching about faith in not himself, not faith in man, but faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as that is what he was persecuted for, he stood on faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to stand on, and that's what you have to stand on today. Because there's no other way except through Jesus Christ and faith in what he's accomplished. Because there is salvation for everyone who would believe. And there's a key to that. You have to believe. And that means you have to put, not just believe, believe, but to put your faith in it completely wholehearted without a doubt. I'm not wavering. I'm not trusting in what I can do. I'm trusting in what he did because his blood was sufficient. His sacrifice was sufficient. I'm resting in what he accomplished. Now what's interesting, when Jesus was talking about the end of the end times that we're living in today, he began to speak about something about the gospel that a lot of people are missing. You need to hear this. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 24. Ooh, sound good over there. Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 through 14. The Bible says, at that time, Jesus said, at that time. What time? The end times. He says, at that time, many Everybody say many. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of the wickedness, the love of the most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel... The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as the testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus said, my gospel, not another gospel, but this gospel, that we're saved by grace through faith. This gospel will be preached to every soul in the entire world. Everyone will hear it before he comes. And so right now, we're living in an age that we're sending missionaries to the farthest jungles that you can reach to find those individuals who do not know the gospel. We have an internet that crosses all across the world. Even today, men and women are listening to me in Ireland. The gospel message, bless you. But he says in the end time, the wickedness will increase. Does that sound like today? The love of most will grow cold. 
cold. In other words, that's, that means not having natural feelings towards someone. In other words, when your kids could care less about you, that's not natural. When your kid says, you know, they're getting old, let's just put them in a home and forget about them. That's not natural love. That's, that, that's the kind of love that Jesus is describing here. Now, some people you have to love from the distance. Come on, amen. But don't stop loving them. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. In fact, Paul, he warns us about these false teachers that are to come in to bring in a false gospel. In other words, they're, they're going to bring a gospel that does not line up with what Jesus and Paul taught. He says it like this in Galatians 1, chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. He says, I am astonished that so many are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and are turning to a different gospel. He said, which is really no gospel at all. He said, evidently some people are throwing you into confusion and perversion. And they're perverting the gospel of Christ. He said, but even if we or an angel should preach a gospel other than what we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. He goes on to say, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. He said, but their end will be what their actions deserve. And so today we see that Paul, he begins his testimony, and you need to understand this, by saying, you know what, I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is the key here. You cannot be ashamed of the gospel because what he's telling us is exactly what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 26. He said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and his angels. And we live in a generation where people are ashamed of the name of Jesus. The Bible says there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. And it's the name of Jesus that we need to stand on. It's the name of Jesus that we need to preach about. It's the name of Jesus that will save the lost soul across our world today. Can I get an amen? In fact, Paul confirms this in his second letter. The same morning, 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11 through 12. Can I get on fire for a moment? The Bible said, Paul said, here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. Oh, but if we disown him, he will also disown us. But then it says something unusual. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. In other words, he knows us. He, he knows that we would never deny Christ. He knows that we're not who we need to be, but sometimes we're, we're faithless. Mm, I should have I said something. You've been there. I should have just said something. But inside of you, you feel that fear rise up, and you said, I, I, I'm just going to go my own way. He said, when you're faithless, I will remain faithful because I cannot disown myself. I can't disown you because you bear my name. You may not be perfect. You may not be in my perfect will, but because you bear my name, I will never disown you. Are you with me so far? Hallelujah. And, and so we have to, we have to test ourselves. We, we're called to test ourselves. Have you denied Christ in your life today? Have you denied him in the past? We have to do something called self-examination. Two questions you got to ask yourself. 
Number one, am I ashamed of Jesus? Number two, am I ashamed of his scriptures, his word, his gospel? Paul says, 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, he says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? I have to test myself on a weekly basis. Am I walking in the will of God? I I was thinking this morning, I thought about all these worship leaders across America right now. I'm wondering to myself, are they even praying about what they're supposed to play? Because I'm sure some of those guys are so gifted, they could just get up on Sunday morning and say, you know what, I'll just play this. Because it's simple, I know it. But what if God has something else in store? It's important for, for not only you, but to me, to pray for God's will. Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Is there any way to take this cup from me? No other way. John 18 and 20, Jesus said, I have spoken openly to the world. Jesus replied, I always taught in the synagogue or in the temple where all the Jews came together. I said nothing in secret. He was open about what he taught. He wasn't sneaking around. You got to watch people. They'll pull you to the side and say, you know, you need to watch that preacher or this and that. You've, you've seen them wolves in sheep clothing. I've seen a bunch of them in my time, and I'm telling you, they're out there. And they'll come in this door, and they'll look holier than anybody in this entire room. They'll have a certain walk, a certain look, a certain way they pray, a certain way they worship, because they're trying to draw attention to themselves. Even the Holy Spirit says, don't don't bring me no glory. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. If you talk to someone and all they talk about is the Holy Spirit, that's not God. Because the Holy Spirit did not come to this earth to glorify himself. He came to glorify the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Can I get an amen? And so that's one way we can tell individuals. you got to watch them carefully. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruit. And so I know that we, 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 we have this thing called fear that comes on us. And we know that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. But nevertheless, the fear will come standing, knocking on our door, and we know that we're called to share the gospel. And you're saying to yourself, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed, but why will I not open my mouth? Because fear has you in its grip. It's not that you're ashamed It's the fear of being persecuted or being rejected because of the name. There was a young man who had a demon, and Jesus drove out the demon. He told that man, he said, everything is possible for God who believes. Mark 9 and 24. Immediately the father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. In the same way, when when that situation comes, you need to ask God, God, in the back of your mind, you're talking, Lord, you know I'm not ashamed. And you know that I believe, but help me with my unfaithfulness. Same thing. Help me to say something. Because all it takes is that one word. Once you break that ice and you begin to speak, the anointing, The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you in such a way you'll walk away from that conversation saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was me because it wasn't. Jesus said, I'll give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. I will give you words and wisdom. Nobody can contradict it because when I speak, There's power. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall be my witness to all men in all Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
One of the verses that has kept me in check over the years, ever since I've been saved, I, I memorized this scripture. And it has helped me over and over and over again as a man of God. Galatians 1 and 10. Paul says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? If I'm still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. We have the thing about pleasing people. I can promise you, the moment that you begin to proclaim the name of Christ to a lost generation, ain't many people going to be pleased with you. So you have to make your mind say, you know what? I'm not here to please individuals. And that's what gives me a certain boldness in this pulpit is because I know that I will stand before God and it's not you or you or you or you, anybody that I will have to give an account to but the Most High God. And so I'm not trying to win your approval. I'm not trying to make you think, oh, he's a good preacher. I could care less what you think about me. What I do care about is what you think about my king. And my finger does not point to me. It points to the one who died for me because I'm not standing on my own righteousness, my own strength, my own faith. I'm standing in the one who saved me, delivered me, and set me free from the captives. And that is what we have to keep our focus on. Christ, this is the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. We know that scripture. We should live by that scripture. And what's interesting is we find that the two men, the two men that would take the body off the cross, and take it to a tomb and bury it and cover it in spices were the two men who were known as the secret disciples. Are you a disciple under secrecy? Does anybody even know that you are a Christian today? John 19, verse 38 through 40. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was the disciple of Jesus, but secretly. That's sad, isn't it? But secretly, he feared the Jewish leaders. And with, with Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He, he was accompanied by Nicodemus. Y'all know Nick. Nick is the one that didn't come when everybody was around. Nick came in John chapter 3 during the night. A secret disciple. The churches are filled today with secret disciples. People are dying, going to hell all around them, but they're secret. I don't want no one to know. I don't want to stir the waters. It's time to stir the waters, people, because Christ is coming soon. Isn't it right, Sammy? He's on his way. He is coming Soon. He was accompanied by Nicodemus who earlier had a visitation. Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought mixes of, of myrrhs and alloys, about 75 pounds, taking the body. The two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. See, they're even burying Jesus in the ways of the law. Maybe in their mind they're thinking, I'm going to be greatly rewarded for taking this body and wrapping it up. But what they're not realizing is just three more days. <laughs> He's going to leave these rags. Come on, amen. I'm leaving all this behind. And you think this is going to be pleasing? Wouldn't it have been more pleasing if you just went around and told that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? I pray that I never fall in the category of being a coward. You can call me crazy. I am. I'm good with that. Been crazy for years about Jesus. Who are you crazy for? 
You can call me a fool. I'm good with that. I've been a fool about Jesus for years. I'm foolish about him. Crazy about my king. You can call me a liar. I'm all right with that too. But I'm not all right by being called a coward. My Bible says that all cowards will have their place in the lake of burning sulfur. Think about it. Proverbs 28 and 1. Solomon says, the wicked flee though no one pursues them. But the righteous are as bold as lions. The coward is the one who runs and there's not even a fight. You see the fight when someone needs to hear the gospel. You're running. You're not even giving it a try. It's like throwing in the towel before you even step in the ring. I remember one of the only fights that I lost, my dad threw the towel in. I was not crazy. I don't even remember the fight. He said, son, you look like a windmill. Because I hit the ground and came up swinging, and I was out. But my instinct to fight was to keep going. Even now, right now, inside of me, inside of you, there's something that will keep going regardless of how hard you're knocked down. But you can't get knocked down until you get into the fight. We need to fight for what the world needs today, and that's freedom in Jesus Christ. Proverbs 29 and 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. He will keep you safe. They may persecute you and hate you the moment you bring up the name of Jesus, but it's worth it. Because by doing so, you're storing up treasures in heaven where thief cannot steal, rust cannot decay, and moth. Y'all know the scripture. We know one of the greatest men of the Bible was a man named Peter, and we know that he had his moments of being a coward. Three times he denied that Jesus was the Christ. And secondly, we find Peter watching from the distance. I don't want to be part of this. I'm just going to watch from the distance. And this is some of us today. Just I'm going to come to church. I'm going to be part of church, but I'm just going to watch from the distance. You're not called to watch me. You're called to imitate me because I'm imitating the king. Come on, amen. You're called to imitate the one who saved you. Watch him. Watch him through the word of God. See how he responds. He never was a coward, was he? He was never fearful of the gospel. Everywhere he went, he told people the way to be saved. Verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. Understand that the scriptures that I read and quote from every week of the year, all year long, I quote from one book. It's not, it's not another book, but it's the book. And there's enough power in every scriptures, through the word of God, to save every single soul that has ever been born or ever will be born. There's enough power to save them. Notice Paul says in our text, from first to last. Now, I don't know. Maybe y'all can help me because I'm not a very educated hated guy, but I'm not sure who the first guy that was ever saved in the Bible. Think about it. It could have been Enoch. It could have been Abram. We know that the Bible says in Genesis 5, 23 and 24, altogether Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was no more because God took him away. So he saved. And we know that Abraham, Romans 4 and 3, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited unto him as righteousness. He was saved. But, but I'm not sure who was the first man to be saved. 
He says, from first to last. In other words, I don't know who the first man that will be saved, and I surely don't know who will be the last man who will be saved. But nevertheless, the first to the last, there's enough power to save everyone in between. And that means every soul in the entire world, there's enough power to save them. Now, from my experience, do I have time to finish this? From my experience, the hardest people, and I've only led a few of these, to save are the Jewish people. You can give me a Gentile all the way to Australia. I can lead them to the Lord. But you bring a Jew, one of the most difficult people that you'll ever try to lead to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you why. It's right here. Romans 11 and 25. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brother, so that you may be conceited. He says, Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Now, this is good news, but this is also bad news. The good news is, is that once that certain number of the Gentiles have come in, there's going to be a mighty river, there's going to be a mighty revival of the Jewish people. Jews are going to be coming in from the north, south, east, and west, and they're all going to get saved in the name of Jesus. But here's the bad news. The bad news, if you are not saved before that full number comes in, you missed it. Woo! You mean there's going to be a time when I can't get saved? You read it. In other words, don't wait until tomorrow because the Bible teaches us that today is the day of salvation. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the day of God's favor. Now is the day of God's salvation. Now, not tomorrow. Tomorrow could be too late. Because if it's 599 and I'm 598 and I got saved, there's only room for one more Gentile. Ooh, now that, that should put some fire under you like, wait a minute, we got to get the number in. Because once we get the number in, then the Jews are going to have a revival. That's gonna be, it's going to be awesome here on earth. But our text says in verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. For just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. A few weeks ago I said this. I don't know if you remember. But I said, you need to understand that only God could save you from God. What am I saved from? God. Only God can save you from himself. Because if you don't have him, you will have to face him. And only God could save you by himself. Let me explain it like this. I'm going to try to bring this. I got this revelation. It's in my head. I got, now I got to bring it to earth. I see a chain. It's a thick chain. Steel chain. And there's ten links. Are y'all seeing that yet? And at the end of the chain is you. And you're holding on to this chain, to those ten links. But below you is the pit of hell, the lake of fire. How many links does it take to break to cause you to fall? Y'all go to James 2.10. James says, whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of them. If you had the Ten Commandments, each one represented a link, you may be doing good on all of them, but you break one link. Oh, that's a good revelation. You fall into the lake of fire. And so you don't want to trust in how strong that chain is. You need to trust how strong our Savior is.
because he upheld the law. He fulfilled the law. He did everything that every link needed to be done. So the chain that he gives you, his yoke is easy, his burn is light. It will never break. You hold on to that, the Christ, and you'll never find yourself falling into the lake of fire. And so Paul, his entire life, he spent learning the word of God, studying the law. He knew the law. He practiced the law. He was a zealous about the law. But did not realize that he was headed to hell because he was trusting in his own strength and own power. And so once he was radically saved in Acts chapter 9, we find that Paul, he's later saying, you know what? Everything that I trusted in means rubbish, garbage, or even dung. Let's read it. Philippians 3, 7 through 9. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness. Everybody say this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That is the gospel that he's not ashamed of. And so he had to face his own countrymen with something that was strange to their ears. Oh, oh, oh now you're saying we don't have to keep the law. The law was kept. Yeah, don't break the law. Don't walk away from God's command, but don't trust in it as a means to save you. Trust in the one who did it for you. Because I can promise you, if you trust in that chain, that chain will drop you because you're going to break something. One little lie. I'm running late. I got a low tire on my car. No, no, no. One little lie sent you to hell. One lust of the eye. Lust. Greed. Arrogance. Pride. Anything. One. One. You stole one pen from school. You remember you took it. I needed an extra pencil. One staple. You took it from work. One piece of paper. You're headed to hell. Anything that we did against the law would disqualify to win. God made it impossible because he says, listen, I'm going to make it so hard that only I can do it. And so you won't trust in you because after you tried it for so long, I can promise you, you will fail. Here's what I've learned. This is personal, but I'm going to share it with you. It doesn't matter how hard I try or how much I do for God, I always find out no matter what I do or how hard I try, I always feel empty by trusting in that. I could memorize two million verses and still feel like I need more. It doesn't matter how many I memorize, it still makes me feel. No matter how many souls I went to the kingdom of God, it does not fill that void. Oh, but when I start thinking about the goodness of Christ and what he did, one man for the entire world. Because of one man, we became sinners, and because of one man, we become the righteousness of God. Either you're walking with Adam or you're walking with Jesus. Here's a question. Did Adam ever get saved? There's nowhere that I can find. That's what I was thinking. Surely he turned away from it. But there was nowhere that I could find that he actually turned away from it or repented of it. God, I'm sorry I did this. Show me, then, I can, then you can help me understand it. But I thought surely he, but I can't find it. Now, if I get to heaven and I see a man and a woman without a belly button, 
I know that's Adam and Eve because they didn't have a belly button. Why would they? Then I know they're the ones that were saved, that they got saved. But you know, let's all stand. Paul was not ashamed of losing everything for the sake of Christ. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul says, I want to know the power of Christ. I want to know him. I don't want to know about him. I want to know him. Right now, some of you, you need to know him. Don't know about him, but know him. My wife knows about me, and she knows me. She knows what buttons not to push and the ones she can push. And she knows me so well that she sees my jaw get tight. That's the time you back away. She knows me that way. And she knows what pushes my button to, to make me to get her things that she wants. Come on, amen. Because she knows me. And she knows the things that I like, the things that I love in life, the simple things. I'm a simple man. If you ever want to buy a 67 GTO with two-door hardtop, I'll take it. But I'm not a thing about man. I mean things. I'm a man about nothing. I, I'm simple. And, and that's the way you got to know Christ. You got to know him that way. What he loves, what he likes, what he desires, what he wants. And that's the way I want to know Jesus. I want to know him so intimately that when I get to heaven, there's nothing new that I don't know. I just want to see it. Y'all want to see it with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I know that every man and woman in this building today is saved. But I pray by the power of the living God today, God, that you'll send forth your word over their lives today and give them the grace, the power, Lord, to not be afraid but to share the gospel with someone this week. I would love to hear a testimony next week saying, you know, I just opened my mouth and it happened, Pastor. That's what I want to hear. I want to see some people get saved delivered and set free. I want to see new families in this church because somebody opened their mouth and they were not afraid. They weren't a coward no more. Give us the grace to be powerful, anointed men and women of God so we can walk in the church and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power and the salvation for those who believe. Father, we praise you. We love you in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen and amen.